Leif took me in his arms and flew over the forest for a minute or so, then tucking me close he descended into the dense canopy, weaving his way down through the trees, dodging branches heavy with foliage and alighting finally on the forest floor. I looked around, wide-eyed. The market was the most amazing assault on the senses I'd ever experienced, rampant with colour and filled with fairies. They flitted here and there among the dazzling, tinkling things, laughing and talking. Music floated on the breeze around us, flutes and violins and entrancing sounds I'd never heard before, and there were scents, the sweet, sticky smell of toffee, rich spices and silky perfumes, the tang of something citrus. Delicious. Welcome to the Good Reading Magazine podcast, sponsored by Pantera Press. Good Reading is a monthly magazine dedicated to books and reading and aims to help readers discover their next favourite book. You can find out more about the books discussed on today's podcast at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. Hi, and welcome to the Good Reading Magazine podcast. My name is Katie. My name is Marissa. And my name's Didi. And we're from Year 9 at Bridgetine College in St Ives, Sydney. Today we're talking to young adult fantasy author Wanda Wilshire, author of the Betrothed series about a girl called Amy Smith who starts having dreams of a different magic world. Welcome, Wanda. It's lovely to be here with you girls. Can you tell us about how the Betrothed series starts and how the idea came to you? It was quite a magical way it came to me, actually. It's quite literally the answer to a prayer. So um, I knew that I needed to write a book. I knew that, there were, that, I, that that was something that I really wanted to do and something that I really felt like I had to do, but I didn't know what to write a book about. So one night I went to bed and said a prayer and it came to me the next morning as I was waking up. Then I got up and started writing straight away and then I didn't stop until it was finished. And I'm still going, you know, I'm on to book, nearly finished working on book five now and there's another couple after that. So still going since that moment. Can you tell us how the series starts? It starts with Marla recovering from a uh, a severe allergy attack. She's in hospital, but we don't know that at the time. Now, when, when the book opens, she's having what she thinks is a dream, um, where she meets this amazing drop-dead gorgeous prince in, in this for, beautiful forest. Uh, and then she wakes up and she thinks it's just a dream and, and um, then the story unfolds from there. But he leaves a few little questions in her head, like the biggest is, um, where did I come from? Because she's adopted. So she, she's never really been interested in finding her birth parents. Uh, she's very, very happy and settled with the family she has. She's suffered from severe health problems so, and they've looked after her really well. They've like been there for her through everything. So she's never really been interested in that. But as she continues to have these, what she thinks are dreams of life, this question grows, who am I really? Um, and things that he starts saying um, just make her question whether she is actually human as well. So together with her friends, she goes off on adventure to find who she is. Did you always want to be a writer and what is your writing process like? Um, yes, I guess in hindsight I probably did. As a child I was always dreaming, drifting out of the window, thinking up stories in my head, writing poetry, um, writing was my favourite thing at school, like writing um, stories was my favourite thing in school, not English particularly, but the creating writing side of it. Um, so I guess that little desire was always there, but it wasn't until later that I ac actually pursued it. When I started asking my own questions about what am I really here for, and I was much older than you girls, so hopefully you figured that out before I did. 
How did publishing your first book change your process of writing? Okay, oh, the process. That was the other part of the question you asked me. So my process has always been sit down at the computer and write. And in the beginning, I would spend hours and hours doing that and just lose myself in the world. I didn't really think about plot or character. The characters all came to me with the dream that I told you that I had, or it wasn't really a dream. It came to me as I was waking. And the characters were there. They were already named. So I didn't really think about that too much. It was right there just waiting to be written down. Um, and I didn't really think too much. It was just sit down and write. But recently, I haven't been finding it as easy to do that. I think there's a lot more pressure on me now after four books. And I think the books do get stronger as they go along, like the last one, Telephy, I thought was really, you know, I think Confused and Telephy to me are much stronger books than the first two. Um, but having said that, the lightness is there more in the first two because I was more, it was, it was more of a, I didn't think so much about it, I guess. I just sat down and wrote. But now I think a lot more about what I'm doing. Hoping my readers will like it. That's another big one. Mm. Worrying because I do get messages from um, readers that are absolutely so on board with the series and loving it so much. And I'm thinking, oh, what if I let them down? And, you know, what if it's not what they expect or what they want? So all of those things come into it. Yeah. Um, can you tell us about the characters of Marla and Leif and what your method is for developing a character? Um, writing the character and through writing the character you get to know the character. For me they are just, they're, they're real people, like they're, they're just real people and I guess I know people who are like them as well, like different aspects of them. Um, I guess just asking them questions, um, that's, a, that's a good one. Um, just just writing them, you get to know them and then you go, oh, like as you're writing you'll think, oh, why did the character just do that? And then you'll think about it and realise, oh, they did that because, you know, this happened a few years ago and then, you know, that had that effect on them and, like, so just writing them, yeah, thinking about them, pondering them. I mean, there are plenty of exercises you can do too to develop the characters, but for me it's spending time with them, yeah. But Leif, let's see, let's, Leif. Well, Leif is, Leif is the Fae Prince, so he is, was always going to be a very strong person. That's what he was born to be. But Leif has the issues that a lot of, um, like the other Fae Kings have and that other people in, people in high positions, I guess, like think of members of the royal family or, um, I don't know, um, people in high positions. They can be they can be a little arrogant at times. So um, they can think that their uh, their opinions are more important, um, that or have more weight or more value. I guess. So I guess at times we are going to see those things come through with with a person in that kind of position. Um, but he's also he's also he's very. Um, Loyal, extremely loyal, uh, um, extremely uh, moral. You know, he's he he makes he tries to make good choices, and and I think um, Marla, the character of Marla, actually suits him really well because she's a lot she's a lot more gentle, but just like a word in his ear, and she's got him. 
you know, she's got his attention. And you see that come through as the series goes on. So it's kind of, in a little way, even though he may seem to be the one in the position of power, he's under her spell. So in a way, she is even more in the position of power, you know, Um, because I guess power is a funny thing. Uh, It might, someone might look to be, you know, there's that saying, you know, behind every every strong person or beside every strong man there's a strong woman and I actually think that is really true and you can also reverse it as well because it goes both ways a strong any strong person will have advisors helping them work through it um so yeah he might appear to be anyway you see it more as the series goes along you really see how that um how they play against each other and and work together with things yeah, and Marla, she's she's soft. She's got she's had a very difficult childhood. Very mm. difficult. Like she's been allergic to everything. Can you imagine? Like being allergic to the whole world. You can't go outside. You can't breathe in the air without without ending up in hospital. So she's been very much wrapped in cotton wool by her family, by her friends. Um, so that's been her reality. So that is going to have an effect on her. She's going to then have to when she gets into a world that she's not allergic to and she finds that she has this great position she's going to have to figure out that she doesn't have to be so careful anymore she doesn't have to be so worried anymore she's actually free in this world where she wasn't free before you know so you see that coming through as the series progresses as well when reading betrothed we notice that marlo is very heavily dependent on leif both physically and emotionally can you tell us about your thought process when writing a character in that way, especially in today's society, when everyone loves a strong, independent female character? Yeah, that's interesting. We are seeing a lot of books and television shows where the female is very strong physically. You know, she's able to um, beat up guys and, you know, be on top and do everything. But does that necessarily mean she's strong emotionally? I don't know. And does that necessarily mean she's independent See, strong and independent are two completely different things. So those two, for me, don't necessarily go together. And I can't say I think about that when I'm writing. I just write the character that's, that's in my soul. Like, you know, Marla is of my soul, so she's the character that I wrote. I didn't think about whether she's physically strong and able to get into fights. I know that's very popular, but I think there are a lot of girls that are not particularly that way. Um... And as for the independence, well, how independent can a 17-year-old be? Usually she's still going to school. And if she's not still going to school, then she's going to uni and her parents are supporting her or the government is giving a student allowance so she's not particularly independent when she's 17. We will see those characteristics change as Marla gets older. But even then, how independent are any of us? You know, I, I as a writer, need readers you as a reader need writers so (laughs) you know we all need friends we all need you know people and I think in betrothed Marla's not independent because she's only just turned 17 she's sick she's lived a life of sickness she's dependent on her parents she's dependent on her friends she's dependent on people not to wear perfumes that are going to make her sick around her she's dependent on people not to give her food that she'll be allergic to so she is and there are people like that. And then, alternatively, I know a, I know a young guy, a close friend of mine, um, has a nephew, had a terrible accident 
and he became um, quadriplegic. And, oh, the strength. That was about two and a half years ago now. The strength that that young man has, he's only very young, has shown in dealing with what's happened to him and, and moving forward and finding things that he can still do in his very limited capacity of physicality. But he's far from independent. Far from it. He'll never be independent unless a miracle happens. So, you know, I don't think those things necessarily go together. But I know that that's the thing these days. I know it is. It's out there, you know. It's like all the TV shows we watch put on Netflix. All Everyone's strong and independent, you know, all the girls. <laughs> I just don't know how realistic that is. Yeah. But we strive, we strive to be strong in different ways, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally. You know, we'd like that for ourselves and for other people. Yeah, definitely. Um, in, the, in the series, there's a love triangle between Jack, um, Marla and La- Lee. And um, in your opinion, what is the perfect way of creating um, a love triangle? Oh, wow. Okay, when Betrothed started, it was never meant to be what is called a love triangle. I didn't even think about, I didn't even <laughs> think about any of that. Um, so the answer about how to create one, I guess they, there has to be a motive. Because when, when it started out, Jack and Marla were friends. Yeah. Marla had two friends. She had Hillary and Jack. Hillary was that wise girl. She'd been through a big trauma, which will also come into it later on. And then Jack was the other friend. Now, Jack had been through his own trauma, because we've all been through trauma, right? Every one of us. Nobody gets out of it scot-free. So Jack had been through his own trauma, and it had made him a little bit angry. And when he met Marla, or Amy, as her human her human name is, when he met Amy, um, she was a very broken... You, you learn more of that later, too, as the story goes on, but she was a very broken afraid, like physically, physically ill girl. And so he saw his role as being protective. And at first that's what he was. He was a protective friend. Hillary and Jack were both protective friends. But as the story went along and things started to come undone, I'm like, oh, okay, so there's a little thing going on here. But then I'm like, well, why wouldn't they be? Because these two are leaning on each other. So why wouldn't be that that bit of confusion and that misunderstanding and like... You know, how do I really feel about that person? It's, that's a very common thing, right? To be a little bit confused about your feelings about people. So it actually never meant to be a love triangle. Just kind of happened that way because of circumstances. So I guess the way to make it... Because then I had to go back to up to the beginning of the book and change certain things. So I'm like, OK, we well, have to make it realistic. Well, what's the motivation for the love triangle? Why is it happening? Like, Leif has got his reason for wanting to be with Marla. She's his betrothed. She was, she's his sole partner from before, he, before you know, before, well, they were, before she was even born. She was his sole partner. That's his motivation. Like, that's he wants to be with the girl that's right for him. Jack's motivation was, I am going to protect this girl. You know, she's, she needs to be protected and I'm going to protect her. I'm going to look after her. And he got something out of that too. He then got some power because he was feeling powerless in his own life. That's kind of the motivation. So I guess when you're forming any love triangle, I guess you have to have the motivation there. Why, what is the reason that this person is attracted to that person? And I think the love triangle, because usually you will have, sometimes you get these two right for her character, right for the protagonist characters. But usually there's one that is, you know, more of the right choice for her. Not a better person, not a better boyfriend, but more the right choice for that particular 
protagonist. So I think that love triangle is actually a really good metaphor for life and the choices that we make every single day. What are some of your favourite young adult books that you've read recently? I started The Daughter of Smoke and Bone. Um, I started that, but I haven't made progress with it. Uh, the Court the, the court of... Thorns and Roses? Yes. I love that book. Okay, so I loved, and I'm really, I'm the odd one out here, okay, because I loved the first one. I, I loved it so much. The second one was like, oh, okay, I don't know if I like where this is going, where most people <laughs> are really into the second one more oh, than the first yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. Would you agree? Yes. Have yes. you all read it? I have. I have read it. Oh, okay. I'm a huge fan of Sarah J Maas as well. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So the second one was like, oh, and the third one, I haven't been able to get into that. I just couldn't get into it. I don't know why. I think maybe because I'm still stuck at the first one. I just loved the first one. Um, what books do you remember reading when you were in high school? Um, when I was younger, like anything, Enid Blyton, Famous Five, yes. Enchanted Woods. <laughs> and I, you know what, I can still read those books now and love them. Like, I've the Enchanted Woods is just sitting there in my favourite childhood thing, you know. But those famous five adventures, oh, wow. That was so I good. The, I got the, all, the whole set for Christmas one time. I was so happy. Oh, wow. That oh, would have been so amazing. Great. Yeah. Wow. I, I used to go to a secondhand bookstop, bookshop with one of my friends and we'd send our Saturday, spend our Saturday morning sitting on the floor in this bookshop looking for treasures. <laughs> and every now and then you'd find a... You know, a famous a hard copy of the Famous Five or whatever. Yeah, that was a long time ago now. But yeah, what else? One of my favourites, and there was also a question like about the book that made me cry. First made me cry, yeah. and there's a book called When Marnie Was There, which was written by Joan Robinson, I think the author was, and I was about the same age as the protagonist when I first read it, and it was about this lonely girl who um, has these issues and she gets sent away to stay with somebody during the war. I think it, I think it happened in, during the war. It's a long time ago now. And then she meets this, like, ghostly friend. If you get a chance to read that, that's amazing. Yeah, I, my sister even um, let me name her second daughter after that character. So. <laughs> so that was pretty amazing. So, yeah, that was one that I read over and over. You know how you get those books and they just stick yeah. and, yeah. That was ha um, Harry Potter for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Couldn't put it down. Yeah, of course. Of course. My kids yeah. too. My son was my son was the, just the perfect age. He's 28 now. So when the first one came out, he was just like glued and waiting for the next one. So he went through it as they had to wait the year in between. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What would you um, say is a... Um, important thing for young writers to remember whilst writing a book? Oh, that's actually a really, really good question. I think the most important thing is to write. Just write. Believe that you can do it. Every book has the beginning, the middle and the end and you just have to push through until you get to the end. My advice would be never to stop. Don't stop at a quarter of the way through or halfway through. Just keep going. Even And if you don't know what to write, then um, oh gosh, you just sit there and, and you can just write blah, blah, blah until it comes. That's just one way of dealing with it. Or you can go for a walk or you can really think, okay, how can I, how can I move this situation forward? Like if you go for a walk while you're doing that, you, um, something usually comes, but ask yourself questions, you know, what might happen next? 
um, what might happen, what could happen next. And if you have a few options, just go with the one you think works best. If that doesn't lead you anywhere, you can always try the other one or, you know, but usually you will find you will be led somewhere. Thank you so much for joining us, Wanda. It's been a pleasure to be here with you. The Betrothed series, including the books Betrothed, Allegiance, Confused and Telephy, are out now from Pintera Press. You can find them at all good bookshops, including Good Reading's online bookshop at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. Thanks for listening.